needless to say, it's at the bottom of my tiers. <laughs> Ooh, little sneak peek there. Uh, I do not share the same sentiment, I do not believe. As I thought you didn't rank albums, though, man. That's not a rank. No, that's a rank. That's not a rank. I think I, I do not a, share the same I, sentiment as you. I think I heard a bit of a rank there. <laughs> it's not a rank. Um, I'm going to play a, a, a theme song. Yes. Oh, I'm not sharing my sound. Sorry. Um, is this the worst part of the podcast where we're trying to figure out who's doing the sound and stuff? You can do it today. I did it last time and I said, Yeah, sucked. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Uh, now that you're back with like decent Wi Fi at your apartment, too. Yeah. Happy to be back. All right. Um, theme song. mentioned on one episode that i listened to i guess not recently whenever it came out you mentioned that you might want to do an episode on red jumpsuit apparatus that was one of the I first it was bands, insane so that was I, one of the first I, bands i ever saw in concert really i don't yeah, i they, like that song face down it's pretty good yeah it is a good song they played uh they played one of the festivals i think they played bamboozle it was like my oh, first yeah. music festival that i've ever went that i ever went to and they played the headliners that year were Snoop Dogg, Jimmy Eat World, and Paramore. And I didn't like any of them, but I did like Jack's Mannequin, who played like a few, yeah. uh, a few people before them. And my friend was like really, my friend Chris Coyne, who uh, I haven't talked to in years, but we were like best friends in uh, late middle school, early high school. He was like obsessed with um, a lot of those bands. And we went and Red Jumpsuit Apparatus played, and they were good, surprisingly good, live. Dangerous, mo dangerous mosh pit, almost died. Oh yeah, I was I was way too young to be in the mosh pit at Warp Tour, and I got I got smacked up a couple times. I bet you did. Yeah, it was like 112 pounds, five eleven. Wow, thin as a rail. <laughs> That's how it is. Um, you are listening to <laughs> I Bet You Look Good on the podcast. I am Jake Domohofsky here with... Charlie Greenwald. Charlie Greenwald. Did you win any Oscars recently? <laughs> no. Trial of the Chicago 7, the movie that I PA'd on in the fall of 2019, lost every Oscar it was nominated for. Would you have gotten something? No. No. Ah. No, but my name is in the credits at the end of the movie, and no one can take that away from me. It's Chuckles Greenwald, right? Yeah, my name is, yeah. That was my clown stunt double, Chuckles <laughs> Greenwald. My name is so far down at the bottom of the credits, it's like under, you know, like the logos, like the globe and the like, yeah, this yeah, was yeah. filmed in New Jersey or, you know. It's under that? Movie credits, it's like under that. <laughs> I, how i thought that was always last they put pas after that i feel like just me it's just your name mm. after all the logos roll it just says charles greenwald that's right and charles greenwald he helped a little bit that's exactly what it said no all right you're doing a bit i i am <laughs> but my name was not far from the very you very had bottom. me you had me all right <laughs> Well, it's, you know, look. But Chuckles was a was a, uh, ensemble, right? He was one of the main. Chuckles was yeah, it yeah. Was, it, it, Chuckles was this uh, one of the lead trial. He was one of the leads. Chicago Seven. He played one of the seven. He was the one with oh, uh, was he? The he wasn't. He was the one in between number four and number six. Okay, and he had the flower that squirted water out. Yeah, that was him. On this lapel? Okay, I got it. That's right. It was a great marriage of 60s counterculture and clown theatrics. Hey, dude, clowns, By the are, way, timeless. Time, clowns are timeless, my man. 
this is a great we're on a podcast and so no i can see this but you're wearing a very nice shirt is this a top oh, man um uh, zara? i can't, I can't, I I can't zara. see i think it's zara but you see, all of, the, all of the buttons came undone. I was going to say, but you've never been a fan of buttons on collared shirt. It's just, you put on as many as society requires, which is like two. Dude, when I was... to cover the belly button, and then the rest is just a jungle. <laughs> when, I, when I was viewing this apartment, it was like 90 out. And I don't like to wear short sleeves or short pants. So when I was viewing this apartment, I was wearing jeans, and I was wearing a button shirt. But it was like 90, 95 degrees out. And I literally just had one button on, and I specifically remember, and it was the, it was this, so it was like, it, I was walking around like this. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, <laughs> just the bare minimum buttons required. By the way, like, we we the my my work put out a, like a thing that a quit uh, a survey that was like. When do you want to come back to the office? Do you feel comfortable with this? What do you want to do with this? Because they're like trying to gauge what they want to do to reopen. Mm. And one of the questions was like, what is preventing you from wanting to come back to the office? And my immediate answer was, got to button my shirts up all the way. Fair. It's, a, it's, a, it's fine on Zoom like this, having it unbuttoned a little bit. It's aggressive in person. That's why they leave room, you know, in the comments for those very personal details that they yeah. want their employees to share. <laughs> I remember that stuck with me, by the way, that one time you were like, I don't wear shorts. I was like, you don't wear shorts. And you were like, no, I just don't do it. I remember that you said that to me. We were at Prospect Park. We were playing Frisbee and it was really hot. This was two summers ago. Or maybe I was, it was wearing this summer. shirt, I think. You might've been wearing this shirt. And I was like, do you play? I was like, do you? Yeah, I think it was last summer, I guess. And I was like, do you wear shorts? And you're like, no, I've never worn them. I was like, no. you don't wear shorts at all? And you're like, no, I don't, I don't really own a pair. And that stuck with me. I was like, wow, I have a few pairs of shorts, but you know, I don't wear them that often, but I do have them. That was when I got tangled up in an invisible wire. That's right. That actually should have been the logo for this podcast. You <laughs> like extricating yourself. <laughs> That's a good memory. That's exactly what happened. And you guys couldn't see it from where you were standing. So it was like, what the fuck is he doing? And I was like I'm, hanging out with those other people trying to get, because we were all fucking tangled up at that point. Yeah, pretty much. I live like five minutes from Henry. I don't know where he lives, but I've run into him like five times on the street. You guys are 100% neighbors. Yeah, pretty much. And every time we see him, we have this, I've seen him, we have the same conversation. I'm like, we should get together. And that never happens. And you just bring me up at some point, usually. How's Jake doing? He <laughs> brings you up. It's like his awkward, one of the most awkward, it's like the first awkward thing that we say to each other. I as love soon as Henry, it's like As soon as it's busy. silent for one second, how's Jake? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, he's good. You know, you can text him. He's, you know, your friend as well as mine. <laughs> but I love Henry. He's a great guy. Uh, wish I saw him more. But in any event, uh, this band that we're going to talk about today, Vampire Weekend, yeah. they're a band that I I used to not really know or like them, and now I like them a lot. And I think that's another one of these. The older I've gotten, I've just enjoyed their music, you know. I think I feel the same when when the album that we're going to focus on today, the debut Vampire Weekend, when that came out, I knew the hits. I haven't. I didn't listen to the record. I kind of glossed over the second two. But then in between um, Modern Vampires of the City and um, Contra. Ride. Oh, no, sorry. What is the, isn't Contra the second one? Yeah. Oh, is that what, yeah. One, so I was saying, sorry, between Father of the Bride and Modern Vampires and, of the City. Oh, that's okay, when sorry. I got into him again. Kind of the same time when I started to really ramp up on the strokes um, again yeah. as well. So it was kind of all this kind of hit at the same time for me. If you look at their... I have Apple Music, you have Spotify. If you look at their artist page now, you would think that they were the Grateful Dead. Like this is the background yes. of their page now. They well, look the like band's huge now, right? The band is really big. They've been big, but they're really big now because Father of the Bride was a big album and it got glowing reviews when it came out. Every Every publication, Pitchfork, Stereo Gum, you name it. They were all like, this is the best Vampire Weekend album. 
And that's a lot, that's saying a lot because this album we're going to talk about today, uh, the first album got really high marks, especially because it was a debut record. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting, man. Like, I, again, like, I do like them in this old identity of theirs, which is like the thinking man's indie rock band. And they're very, they're not inaccessible. They're just like very weird and quirky and ap academic and almost preppy, but in a likable way. Oh yeah, they're totally now, popped collar polos. Yeah, exactly. And now they're more of a like jam band. And I don't have anything, I really don't have anything wrong with that. I think there's anything wrong with that because I think that progression has been really natural. Sometimes bands try new things and you're like, this is whack. I don't like it. But I've liked Vampire Weekend's album and their trajectory. I, again, I'm a new fan of theirs, but I like where they've gone as a band. I think that they've made interesting music kind of throughout their career. And I know you're not a huge father of the bride guy, but I thought that that, that album was really good and interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I, think hear, I hear Paul Simon all over their music. Which is I just read I something like. on Wikipedia about that. Yeah, that that he's a they're a, he's a big influence of theirs. That a lot of people were saying that Vampire Weekend, the album, was a ripoff of Graceland, and then Paul Simon came out and was like, "It's similar, but it's all right." And I really like this record. <laughs> I mean, all art is what's the John Lennon quote? All music. Ima imagine. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> the quote is all music is rehash just variations on theme and i think about that all the time because it's like there's not a lot of you know a lot of musical notes and chord combinations it's all about the identity of your song and how it gets out there and even if it's sat if you hear a band and you're like this band sounds a lot like this other band it's like well yeah i mean they probably listen to that band and they're probably influenced by that band you listen to hallucination by salty keys like you know right away the, the, the bands. Song. Yeah. Thank you. Available now on streaming services. Uh, you know right away what the influences are in yeah. that music. You know, you hear psychedelic furs, you hear the cure, you hear Tears for Fears, you hear Echo and the Bunnymen, all those 80s English synth pop rock bands. So I don't have a problem with it at all. But yeah, I mean, this debut album came out and went I had a quote. there's another quote that like that yeah uh Stravinsky good composers good composers borrow great composers steal yeah there you go I mean it's the same principle like you know if you know what works you know it's popular and 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 by the way Ezra Koenig he's very much a Paul Simony type of guy that's like his thing yeah. he's like a He's like a, a folk rock sprite, you know? He looks like he's seven years old, as Paul Simon did when he was kind of ascending to fame. And his songs are really weird and odd and lyrically all over the place and quirky. And, you know, this, the, the song names on this album are Mansard Roof, Oxford Comma. I don't give a fuck about an Oxford Comma. A-Punk, Cape Cod, Quasa Quasa. M79, Campus Brin, One, I Stand Corrected, Walcott, and the Kids Don't Stand a Chance. Those are like weird, quirky titles, if ever there was one, in my opinion. I, I never it's... realized until you just said that, that Blake's Got a New Face is called One. I always really? thought it was called Blake's Got a New Face. <laughs> yeah. I had one, no I, idea it was called One. It's one of these songs that has a title and then a parentheses, which I don't what? really like. That's like giving a song two titles. It's like a yeah. book that's like called like, you know, something like, like some like some phrase like the straw that broke the camel's back, and then it's like colon democracy, capitalism, and America. It's like I always get annoyed by that. Well, it's like Doctor Strangelove. Just pick a title. Yeah, Doctor Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying. No, How I Stopped Worrying and Learned to Love the Bomb. That's right. <laughs> That's a very. I was funny thinking movie. about that because there's got to be a joke somewhere in there where you can say something, something, or how I stopped wearing and lear learned to love the virus. There's got to be something there. There's a Paul Simon song called "A Simple Desultory Philippic," 
or how I was Robert McNamara into submission. <laughs> There's a uh, uh, Van Crooked Vulture song called Warsaw, or the first breath you take after you give up, I think it's called. Something like that. I've never heard that. It's a good that song. should be an insane song. tempo change. It's like nine minutes long. <laughs> it's fantastic. Wow. Um, all right. Uh, background of this record. Oh, maybe we'll just want to start playing the record. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Uh, start with Mansard Roof. All right. So this album's 34 minutes long. A Punk. Do you want to guess how many plays A Punk has? On Spotify? Yeah. 150 million. 264 million. Wow. That's a lot. Do you want to guess number two? Number two is probably. Hold on, actually. I'm looking at my Apple Music, which doesn't show plays. Um, it's got to be either Harmony Hall or This Life. I would I'm say. Sorry, Harmony. I'm just I'm just looking at Vampire Weekend, the record. Oh, oh, excuse me. Uh, well, then the next one is probably Oxford Comma, right? Oxford Comma, yeah. But then the next two surprised me a little bit. Cape Cod, Quasa Quasa, and Campus. That's number four. Yep, I didn't know Campus was a hit. It goes, me neither. A, it's A-Punk, Oxford Comma, uh, Campus, Cape Cod, Quasa Quasa, and then Mansard Roof, which makes sense since it's the first one. Yes. All right, uh, let's put some Mansard Roof. I see a mansard roof. A mansard roof through the trees. How are we feeling on that volume, Charlie? I, see I feel a good about it. I message written in the east. The ground beneath my feet. The hot garbage and concrete. So they're all New Yorkers, I think, uh, before, because they met at Columbia. We got uh, Rostam. We got on the guitar. No longer in the band. Yeah, that was a big loss. Yeah, them, Charlie, you know I can't live. When you just spin your hand, I don't know which way it's going. <laughs> so you got to go up or down for me, pal. Thank you. The band's sound really changed, I think, when he left. Yeah. Probably for so a lot it of people. It was amicable, worse, though, right? But I think it's just different. Yeah, I think it was because amicable. Because he did some production on Father of the Bride. Yeah, I think he just maybe either wanted to get out of music or, or touring, you know, and just do more session work. That's when did he leave? He left, I think, after the third album. That makes sense. So, like, 2013 or 2014. So, after Modern Vampires. Yeah. All right, so these guys met at Columbia. I believe Ezra was a teacher in Washington Heights. And he was in this band in college, and then they graduated. And he did not want to be a famous musician. He wanted to be a teacher. But then the rest of the band and everyone else was like, just record the album, Ezra. Do it, and you're done. And he did, and then it exploded, and now he's like one of the probably most well-paid, most in-demand musicians around right now in Alternative Rock, maybe? Definitely. They're huge. And the reason we're covering them now, this is a this album is a bookend for me. So I think the two bookends of this era that we cover on the show is it starts with is this the is this it? And I think it ends with this record. That 10-year period. This is 2011. I love this song, man. Oxer Comma. Very good Truth. quirky little tune. The truth is, I care about an Oxford comma. I give a fuck about an Oxford comma. I do. Do you use them? I do. So how would you, remind me, Oxford comma, how, how would one place it in a sentence? So if you have a, uh, if you're making a list of three things, so you're saying Jake, Charlie, and Chris, an Oxford comma would be after Charlie. So you would say Jake, comma, Charlie, Oxford comma, and Chris. Without the and Oxford comma, it would be Jake, comma, Charlie, and Chris. Do you use the Oxford comma? I do. I think it's unclear if you don't. Uh. So you can hear almost like there's a gentleness to them. Certainly in this album and I guess in this 
whole record. They kind of are like, whereas the Strokes and the Killers and the Arctic Monkeys just like almost kick you down with their with their rock and their grooves and their tightness. There's like a gentleness to Vampire Weekend. So this is five years after uh, whatever people say I, I am. And yeah. this is 10 years after This Is It. That's right. Which is pretty crazy. I thought this lyric, the, when he says, uh, why would you lie about how much coal you had? Until last week, two weeks ago, I thought it was Coke. Oh. Which I thought, I interpreted as an interesting line because he's saying to this person, I'm not mad that you did Coke. I'm mad that you lied to, be, lied to me about how much Coke you did. And I was like, that's kind of an interesting perspective on a drug addict. Definitely. I, I, I never had that thought, but uh, <laughs> but there you go. This is very Paul Simon to me. And then he does the great line about Lil John. First to the window, then it's to the wall. Little John always tells the truth. Yeah. Apparently, Little John sent them cases and cases of crunk juice after this song came out. To thank them for the mention. Yes. I mean, it's not as if Lil John needs the publicity. He was fucking huge in his day. Yeah, I mean, apparently, legend has it, Ezra Koenig still has a couple cans of uh, crunk juice left over. Remember when Lil John was literally like on every song in the world? Like any bar mitzvah that you went to, (laughs) like he was there the whole time. Get low, goodies. Yeah. And then he came back with Turbulence, which was such a lit time in my life. When that song came out. I don't remember that. We had Turbulence! Oh yes, that's right. This song's good. I, this, I think this song is the one that I, if I were to skip one on this record, it would be this one. Not because I don't like it, because I've heard it so many times. Yeah, I don't really like this song that much either. I mean, it's fine, but it's played in like every indie romantic comedy ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a little silly, a little goofy to me. I used to like playing the guitar riff when I was younger. It's good. Around the time when I started playing guitar, so I was like, I had fun playing this riff. You know what this is in? Is oh no, sorry, this is six years after. You know what this is in? Is, is Step Step Brothers. Did you see Step Brothers? Yeah, what part? I mean, I saw it like once a long time ago. What part was it? I can't remember. Some montage of them doing childish, idiotic things. This, there was a video that I thought was interesting too for this, right? I don't remember that. Maybe. This is so, this is so, you know why it's, you know why Paul Simon got, got so many of these in? Paul Simon's name was invoked. Because there is like some African, some African Gracelandy beats in here. You know, the pace of the song, and the, and then you heard him in the background with the, oh, oh, oh. It's like very, hey, 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 hey. yeah. He's invoking a lot of African music and African rhythms, which is really cool. And for a young those, band. Those woodwinds right there too. Yeah. That's a Mellotron though, it's gotta be, right? I know I talk about Mellotrons way too much on this show. You do. <laughs> you do. You should buy one, you're really, you're almost so I, obsessed with it. If you love it so much, why don't you marry it? <laughs> <laughs> I lived, I feel like I lived in a house with a Mellotron at some point. No, it was a, I, li- I lived in a house with a Hammond for a little bit. And then I dated someone whose roommate had a Hammond also. Mm. And Mellotrons. That's cool. Have you ever played a Hammond? No, nah, man. You'd this like is cool all so Paul Simon. I hear this whole yeah, thing. I'm like, is. oh my God, maybe this is just like, now that I'm hearing it back, I'm like, man, they really just should have given, should have given him royalties on this album. <laughs> I haven't played a Hammond. I've played a Moog. And okay. Moogs are, are mad cool. And I've played some stuff maybe like for a minute at like music, music stores and stuff. But uh, 
But no, I have everything I play, dude, is on a tiny MIDI keyboard in my apartment. That's literally like this big. It's like a foot long. Well, dude, I just, when I play synthesizers for the electronic music that I'll make, I don't even use a MIDI. I just use the literal keyboard on my computer. Wow, I can't believe you do that. That's like even more of a pain in the ass. I don't like play it though. I don't really want to get into it. I don't play it. I just write notes and then I program. Arrange the notes? Yeah, oh, I don't see, actually that's... play the notes. Oh, see, that's interesting. I can't, I don't know how to do that. Well, I don't know how to play piano. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I can see this, why you this were song, listening. the music video, uh, filmed in Spring Lake, your favorite town. No way. Yeah, they filmed the music video for this near near my parents' house. I wonder why they didn't film it in. Uh, why they didn't film it in either in New York, where they're from, or because in this Cape is a Cod. Spring Lake song, <laughs> man. This is a. But why not film it in Cape Cod? Yeah, I'm a Spring Lake a lot closer to New York, Williamsburg. Mm. So they recorded this record in the drummers, something Thompson. I think Chris Bayo is the other guy, and then there's some guy named Thompson. They they apparently I was never able to track this down which song it is, but I've read multiple places that they record one of the songs, the drums, in a barn because they like the echo. I've listened to this album so many times, listening for which drum track was potentially recorded in a barn, and I cannot figure it out. And then the rest of it, they recorded some in studios, uh, a studio in Williamsburg. Um, they recorded a lot of it at their apartments, uh, and then Chris Bayo's mom's house, apparently, too. But the Thompson family farm, I cannot identify what song the drums are from. That's hilarious. I don't think it's this song. These drums sound like right up in the studio. It's gotta be, I mean, Walcott is the closest I've come, but I think it's, that's my favorite song on this album. So I think I'm just attaching it to the cool thing, you know, because hmm. I want it to be true. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, I'll, I'll listen to it when we get to Walcott and see, if, see what I think. This is great stuff though. This he has a great, great voice, song. you know. So high and quirky and unique. That's half the battle with like having a cool, good band. You gotta have a great lead singer. Yeah, he's got a great voice. Very fun. It's very high. He doesn't sing this high later, does he? Super high. Sometimes. He sings low, like in uh, I Stand Corrected. That is pretty low. Good, good range. King Ezra. All these songs, man, are like. They're all like three and change. <laughs> the first time I heard this song, not the first time, but I was listening to it a couple years ago and I was with someone and I was like, yeah, because it's like the strings orchestration in the beginning. I was like, this is a band of four people and they all agreed that that should be on the record. <laughs> like they were all, they had, they were all down for it somehow. Dude, you say that though, but like so many bands, <laughs> so many bands. It's just like, I'm the leader, here's what we're doing. And everybody else is like, yeah, you, you know, I'm not gonna fight him on this. I, I, I'm not in a band, but I would imagine that it's like, if you're a bassist in a band and you want your song to be on the album, you will like lose, willingly lose, or not secede, what's the, what's the word I'm thinking of? You'll willingly surrender on a couple songs. And just be so like, you'll let okay. Ezra do the dumb string thing at the beginning to get your verse on, yeah, your baseline on Walkout or whatever, right? Exactly. So, like for example, my favorite song on this album is Bryn. If I wanted Bryn on the album, I would like let the lead singer of my band like do some weird shit in a couple other songs. You know, I just feel, I'm convinced that that's the way that it works in bands. It's like yeah. give and take. You have to do the give and take, otherwise, like no one's ever going to be happy. Like that's the way a band survives. Is it's like you write a song and you write a song and I write a song. And we just have to be cool with like what the people do on a couple of. And a lot of the bands that have stayed together through time, the songs are credited to the full band. You know, as opposed to like, oh, they're just written by this guy who writes. I mean, all take the, songs. the Strokes as an example. He wrote the first two records all on his own, and then they were about to break up. 
because they were sick of it, and then they all wrote first impressions together, and they've released like four more records. Exactly. I might be getting that wrong. It might be Angle or Come Down Machine. That Angles, dude, is such a good album. So underrated, dude. It's so, so underrated. underrated. That article that that guy wrote that Chris sent about yeah, like, that was good. Why Angles is unfairly hated. Yeah. It spoke so deeply to me because <laughs> I just love that album so much. I just love the strokes. <laughs> I want to get Nick Have back I mentioned on. that I to want you? To do, I want to do Room on Fire with Nick again. Oh, man, dude. Nick was great. I also want to do a Velvet Revolver episode with Nick just to prove that I did not misspeak. Uh, and I will listen to a Velvet Revolver record and point out all of the things that the strokes took from it just to prove that I did not misspeak and I meant to say that Velvet Revolver is one of the Strokes' biggest influences. <laughs> I'll die on that. I'll die on that fucking hill, dude. I used to like Velvet Revolver, man. You don't have to convince me. <laughs> Just tear into Slither and fall to pieces. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> so this song is like, almost like Victorian England meets indie rock. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they, they rely heavily on strings in this song. They do. But then the the, the chorus is all guitar driven. Yeah. And this guitar, though, it has that echo of that African. Yeah, clean guitar with a ton of reverb. Very, single, very. Single tracked, open yeah. room, yeah. loose sound, bouncing. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. So let's talk a little bit about the other members in the band. So the drummer. Wow, sorry, Chart. Let me just say one thing. You're yeah, a real one. Bryn is the least listened to song on this record. Well, that's unfair. It's also short. That's true. Which I think All right, is sorry. Upsetting. Keep going. Let's stop. No, it's, fine. it's fine. I am a real one, though. <laughs> I was going to say so the Chris Thompson, the drummer uh, of. Um, a Vampire Weekend. Very good, very, very good uh, uh, drummer. He, I think, is semi-responsible for the band's direction into, like, from art pop and Baroque pop and indie rock into, chamber like, pop too. Yeah. chamber pop, definitely, into, uh, you know, jam band rock and folk rock because he's a huge fan of Fish and the band and the Grateful Dead, according Obviously. to Wikipedia. And uh, you can just listen and hear in his drumming a lot of like those kind of jam rock influences. He's very loose and fun and a very good drummer, I think. Who's the guy, did you see the live video of them playing Sunflower? Yeah, man, I love. Who's Sunflower. the guy playing? The, the guy rips that insane, insane guitar solo. Is that yeah. guy an original member of the band? No, that's no. not Chris Bayo, is it? No, he's a new member. Of this guy. He's a new member. Okay. Yeah. Is that guy destroyed. I mean, the the, 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 the God, here I go. The version of Sunflower that they play live is like nine minutes long, even though the song's like a minute twenty. Or we something. should play it, dude. It's so good. I love that song. Steve Lacey is the the best member of Vampire Weekend on the record. Oh, he's awesome, man. But yeah, you're thinking of, uh, you're thinking of, uh, what the fuck is this guy's name? Uh, yeah, he's got like a big afro. Yeah, yeah, yeah Brian, Brian Robert Jones is his name. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's it, yeah. He's, he just shreds. He's awesome. Which is so weird to hear Vampire Weekend. And Ezra's loving it too. He's on stage, he's having a great time. Especially Dude, when, and, and they're like harmonizing the do 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 I love that man. He's like it's, loving it. This whole album is so, yeah. I mean, I mean, I love Father the Bride. It's just a lot of fun to me. And uh, there aren't a lot of good jam bands these days that are as big as Vampire Weekend. There's like Humphreys McGee and like Yes, There's yeah. Fish, and there's like a. Disco Biscuits. You know, this, yeah, Disco Biscuits and the, whatever the hell the name of that other band is. The String Cheese Incident, is that their name? Yeah, String Cheese Incident. Yeah, horrible. I would say, if I'm the listening to Father of the ever. Bride, I, I'm going to listen to Harmony Hall, then I'm just going to listen to Symphony, Sunflower, and Flower Moon, and then I'm probably going to bounce. 
Not and this life. life. Uh, excuse me. Uh, no, I'll skip this life. You don't like this life. I, you said I sunflower, though. You said sunflowers. Like you said, sunflower. I like Flower Moon's great too, because Steve Lacey's on that one too. And yeah, Sympathy Flower Moon is great. Great Harmony Hall is awesome. Yeah, Harmony Hall is amazing. Harmony Hall might be the best Vampire Weekend song. It might honestly be. All right, here we go. This song is also the shortest, I think, on this album. Uh, no, Mansard Roof is the shortest. Oh, really? Yeah. Only by six seconds, but yeah. Yeah, this is a good one, man. It's in 3-4 also, I didn't notice that. Apparently, this is one of the earliest songs by Vampire Weekend. One of the first ones that they've written. Really, the album art of this record is uh, taken at one of their early shows in a, in a semi-secret society building at one of their early concerts. Yeah, that's I love that. That's so interesting. And they said that most of the songs had already been written, so they already knew what was going to be on this record. So when they were recording it, they already knew what to like. They didn't, they didn't really have to write the record by the time they wanted to record it. It was just about finding the right sound. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. So they wanted to get the rooms right. That's why they changed locations so much. They took a long time mixing it to find out the right mix of everything. So everyone was there, every like, they're like, the songs are done, it's already. We just need to figure out how to put this on a fucking tape, right? I honest, you know, I honestly think that uh, that one of the most amazing things about this album is the cohesiveness of the sound. It's very like free flowing and light, and there's great string instrumentation. And yeah, it's very well done. It's just like they have a sound, fully formed. They arrive fully formed on the scene. I love the lyrics in this song. Oh, Bryn, you see through the dark, right past the fireflies that sleep in my heart. You know it's easy to see. Wait for the season to come back to me. I love that. It's beautiful and very vague. Anyway, the song is over. It comes and goes in like a split second. I love that ending, too. Dramatic endings are my favorite. You know, like, it builds right up to that moment of climax. So this song is apparently called One. Yeah, man. <laughs> By the way, something I think is really funny about this record is the album cover. The album cover, none of you can see it because this is a podcast, is a chandelier. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I got it. And underneath the chandelier, it's like a slightly askew picture of a chandelier. And underneath it is just like what appears to be like a gathering of people at a party or some sort of Well, that's the concert, Charlie. That's what I was just talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, well, there you go. Yeah. It's almost as if they're like, they're like, immortalizing a moment in time when before they became the big band that they ended up becoming yeah which i think is kind of cool and then they keep the the design theme going for the second record contra which i also think is a great album cover too it's, it's weird. the same font i guess weird. right on every album cover and it's the same sort of like early instagram filter yes like a, the white border and kind of a weird Polaroid. Very early Instagram. <laughs> Brennan, early bird. Toaster. Toaster. <laughs> Valencia. Expo Valencia. <laughs> Who's the girl on the se- on the cover of the second album? Do you know Don't that? I don't know if they know. I feel like I read, now I basically I'm regurgitating uh, uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom. It was, it's, it, they definitely just found the picture. They either knew the person or they didn't know him, but it's not a picture that any of them took. Oh. I do think that uh, whatever the Strokes and the Killers and the Arctic Monkeys brought to rock from like the 2000 to 2010 period, Vampire Weekend and this album kind of 
influenced a new generation of, of rock bands and songwriters that teetered yeah. more away from like garage rock and more towards indie pop art and rock. Yeah. art rock. Psych rock and chamber rock. Like, and yeah, I think chamber the, rock is a good way to describe it. The, I think one important thing to note about Vampire Weekend too is that they were the first huge Williamsburg band. Because yeah. all these other New York bands are uh, Lower East Side, Alphabet City, uh, Gra not Gramercy, but down in that area, right? Village. Yep. And Vampire Weekend was the first in Williamsburg because Williamsburg started to not be extremely dangerous near the, at least near the bridges, near the water, right. around 2010, 2011. And that's where these guys lived and they wrote this record and recorded it. And now, even today in 2021, I rent some studio space out in East Williamsburg. You walk through the hallways, every band is still trying to sound like Vampire Weekend. Like they made, <laughs> they made a sound that hadn't existed yet. And that's what we're hearing right now. Yeah. And that sound is still being replicated by bands that I hear around where I go to play. And it's kind of amazing too. You talk about the studio space and all the people that you see who are trying to replicate them. You know, they, the Strokes like put New York back on the map. Yeah. And then Vampire Weekend like re-put New York on the map with their own weird sound. You know, LCD yeah. sound system, you could also say like, was one of the, we never talked, we haven't talked Williamsburg. about Williamsburg, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah he's we, a Brooklyn guy. We haven't talked about my obsession with them and why they're my favorite band of all time, other than the Arctic Monkeys, probably. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, to, to reclaim the, the musical identity of a city and then pave the way for bands like Fleet Foxes and The Shins and Arcade Fire and, Cash you know. Queen. <laughs> yeah, Cash Queen. You could even say Bon Iver to some extent, like, you know, the experimental popularization of this kind of folk rock music. Yeah. Um, and it's almost as if, as, as we mentioned, like, there's some African themes to this album that are just so ambitious. And I still think a lot of people who want to sound like them, they just, they maybe don't have the technical expertise. You know, you read about how this guy who was in the band, Rostam, um, I forgive me if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, Rostam, I don't know if it's Rostam or Rostam, and it's Batmanglish. Batmanglish, yeah, Rostam Batmanglish. He, is known for being like a genius music producer yeah and so i think that's also part of their appeal and their skill is how crisply these songs are produced they sound amazing they really do do you like kexp by the way on youtube do you ever watch those concerts uh yeah the, i've seen some good ones i don't like follow it but a lot of times when a band i like shows up i'll, I'll watch it they're very good that's kexp is it right? say that again is that in portland Seattle. Seattle, got it. Yeah, and uh, you're basically exactly right. Pacific Northwest radio station, and I think they're in Seattle, and they have like the most amazing sound engineering I've ever heard. It's on par with NPR Tiny Desk, which is also amazing sound engineering. That's impressive, yeah. Here's my song. Yeah, man, this song's great. You, I, Matt and Kim owe their whole career to this song. <laughs> This and song, fucking I mean, Owl City, too, by the way. <laughs> All these knockoff bands that just recreate <laughs> shitty versions of Walcott. Uh, um, I was a, this has always been my favorite song on this record. And then I think I, this record as a whole kind of, I, want, I was dating a girl and the two of us had absolutely nothing in common, except that we- When was this? Like, this was recently, you know who I'm talking about. I'm recording to the cloud now. Okay. Let me restart this. You can just put it together. Yeah, I'll just put it together. All right, so I got to delete some stuff to get this from. Okay. Um, I was dating a girl and we had nothing in common with each other at all, except that we liked hanging out with each other and like that was fine and we got along. But it was troublesome because <laughs> We could ne if we were like cooking or doing the dishes or doing something, we could never find any music to listen to together because there's nothing that we both enjoyed. I was always like, we'll listen to whatever you want. I don't really care. But if I turn on something she didn't like, it was a problem. And then even like watching TV <laughs> and movies, we could never watch 
we would never find anything to be able to watch because the things that she found funny, I didn't find funny. Things I found funny, she didn't find funny. And like we, different types of drama and stuff we liked. So it was very like troublesome. The TV show we found was The Great British Baking Off. That's the best show ever, dude. I watched We both that. enjoyed that show. I watched all the of that show with Nora. We love it. Granted, she enjoyed it more than I did, but I was playing along just because it was the one thing that we almost had in common. And you then can the at one, least you can at least make fun of lie. Paul Hollywood though, and just how ridiculous he is. Someone would give him a scone, that's and you'd go. Bike. That's a good bike. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good bag. Sponge. sponge. Good sponge. sponge. Sorry, oh, how are you saying okay. that? So then the, that was the show. And then the one music that the both of us could listen to that we both enjoyed was this record. And especially really? the song. So it was like, I like this song already. So then introducing it into that relationship where we had, we, there was no songs we liked in common. And then being able to listen to Walkout, I was like, this is fucking great. And we just listened to it. They were like, we're going to get married. <laughs> yeah. We just listened You're to like, it. You're like, you like Walcott? Yeah, we're going to have 10 kids and be so happy. <laughs> then Walcott ends and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then you get to the kids don't stand a chance. You're like, ah. Uh, uh. Like, yeah, fuck. We need to find a new band. <laughs> but that's my background with this record for the most part. Um, this song is infectious, though. I love this little sliding riff. It's a great song. Oh, this song is, this is, song is about... Um, this song kind of is what the band's name is. It's about leaving... He wrote a thesis, apparently, Ezra. It was a fiction story about uh, vampires invading Cape Cod. And Walcott was the name of the main character's friend. And this is the song that's most directly related to that story. So that's why he's saying to leave Cape Cod. He said, fuck the women in Wellfleet, fuck the bears out in Provincetown. <laughs> I love that. Provincetown is a mad, cool city, man. I don't know if you've ever been. Uh, a lot of bears there, though. I guess so. Gay dudes. <laughs> oh um, my gosh. And then he says, all the way to New Jersey, all the way to the Garden State. My boy. Do you think this is the one in the barn? Could be. This sounds definitely Most likely, more, right? more Barney. Wait, let me hear that. I love that. Yeah, there's some pretty open reverb, natural reverb on the snare. That introduction of that piano is beautiful, man. It's so awesome. Yeah. Amazing ending. Yeah, that's a really good song. That's, that's definitely my favorite one. That one's so much fun. What do you think about this song, Kids Don't Stand a Chance? I like it a lot. I heard it Devastating first. backstroke all the way from France. Credible opening <laughs> lyric. And the melody too. I first heard this song when B.O.B. covered it on his one of his records. It was the closer. And I mean, I B.O.B. who wrote Airplanes? Yes, he covers this song on a, on a record of his. Wow. And I heard that first, which is tough. So when I heard the Vampire Weekend version, I thought it was a cover of B.O.B., which that that's a mindfuck. That's a tough one <laughs> to like deal with. Definitely. I got a new plant today. Two of my plants died when I was gone. Oh, sorry to hear that, buddy. Oh, what's going on with the garbage can? Uh, I fixed it, didn't I tell you? You did, but I want to hear the story on it. We haven't recorded, just a transparency, we haven't recorded a podcast in like three weeks. I guess that's right, yeah. Uh, the garbage can is rock we're rocking and rolling with the garbage can after i got off the phone i like i like rolled up my sleeves and i did that thing that men do where they just like stay up all night trying to fix something even if it's pointless but yeah. in this case after like 30 minutes we figured it out 
right. And we're, we were able to get it back on, get it back on its, uh, back on its hinge. It was a big deal. Very nice. I'm happy to hear. Thanks, that was man. a big problem on the last episode. It was horrible. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was devastating. This is the closest we're ever recording an episode to the release date. This episode, it's Wednesday, and this episode comes out on Friday. Unbelievable. We just need to fill the content. You know, we've got, we've got, uh, you know, we've had a few weeks off, so. Yeah, we which have, have been, a lot of those, so we'll be fine. Which have been nice, by the way, the few weeks yeah. off. Good to get some refresh. You, of course, getting back into the swing of things in New York. Yeah, because that was my week in, in San Francisco was the first week we missed. And then I was, it was my first week back, so I needed the, uh, the time. Mm. Here we are. This is nice. This is really nice. Good ending, I think. Very like dreamy. Should I play the B.O.B. version? No. <laughs> I listened to that horrible Fall Out Boy Kanye West thing. That you oh said my god. Time. That was Dude, fucking terrible. Yeah. And I used to, I listened to a lot of Fall Out Boy because my ex-girlfriend was obsessed with them. And I kind of like Fall Out Boy in a, I don't love them, but like I think Patrick Stump is an awesome prompt. Yeah, band. but that song, that ver- remix was absolutely But that remix, remix was garbage. I'm not even like that big of a Kanye West fan. I liked his early stuff, but now I can't stand him. But he also I, made I a joke, a of- he made a mockery out of that verse too he was talking shit about fallout boy the entire time i know hilarious it was just not my thing but yeah man i mean whatever it was a weird marriage for me all right here's what i think we should do to close out the episode we should either play sunflower live or one of your favorite songs from one of the other albums contra or modern vampires i will admit personally that for me I like the first and Father of the Bride the most. I like some stuff on the second and third albums, but um, admittedly not as well versed. Father of the Bride is definitely the album I know the best because I I just heard that album and I was like, this is this is exact. Sometimes you hear an album or song and you're just like, this is exactly what I need to hear right now. And I kind of felt that way with with Harmony Hall. It just it's a song that just makes you feel like we, we, we gotta play harmony hall because that's a song that just makes you feel kind of good and like yeah just, I, i'm i'm down to play that song life affirming a couple minutes of the studio version of uh sunflower i don't need to do the whole live version i like the studio but i do want to play this song first because there's um have you ever heard the remix of step it's not a remix per se no but i like step all right you know danny brown no the rapper all right danny brown does a verse on this remix of step which i'm a big fan of i think he sounds great on it so we'll play i'll play up to danny brown and then we'll switch to harmony hall and then we'll play a little sunflower you know this on fingerback no okay there's a bit where uh ezra koenig talks in the middle and it sounds like he's doing like a character yeah, that, that's at the. Yeah, it's on Modern Vampires. Yeah, and the guy at the falafel shop and why not? <laughs> in love with the guy at the falafel shop and why not? Good, good uh, impression. <laughs> he weirdly fits on this beat. I don't know why. He used to have very acoustic beats like this, so I think he's used to rapping on like non-electronic beats, and he does well. <laughs> you don't look down for this at all. I mean, I'm the worst man, like... I, I just don't listen to a lot of hip-hop and rap. I, I know how that makes me sound like an old fuck, which I basically am. I mean, I and in the hip-hop and rap I do listen to, it's like from 15 years ago at the earliest. 
but I do like some hip hop now. Like I do love Run the Jewels and uh, I do like, uh, you know, I like J. Cole and- Oh, you're gonna like down some, for that Danny Brown verse. I like some Ray Schremmerd stuff and yeah, dude, I like some Pusha T, but man, like that was not my vibe. That was not, not big, necessarily a, my vibe. I'm a big Danny Brown fan. I really like Denzel Curry a lot. Yeah, he's um, very popular. I liked that new Brockhampton record a lot. Yeah, man, I, I know it's pretty good. Nora really likes them. Yeah, it's uh, cool. Yeah, I just think Kevin Abstract is a fucking genius. Yeah, he's cool. All right, he's gay, help. right? I think he's gay. I think so. I think like most of them. Are. Oh, sorry. That's okay. More, right, more Danny Brown. Subject you to more. Yeah, that wasn't Danny. No, Brown. no, that was Despot. Oh, Despot. Excuse me. There's three rappers featured on that. Well, no, I, no, I enjoyed that. I definitely enjoyed that song, but Look what this I is got just an amazing riff. Yeah, can you play this? Uh, I don't know, probably, if I practice for like two weeks, probably. I'd have this to look it up. This is mad fast. But I'm so happy to have my guitar back. I bet, dude. It's all hammer-ons and pull-ups, though. It shouldn't be too hard. Like, you're not doing much with this hand. It's all this one. Yeah. It's probably just scales. Yeah. This piano is amazing. Have you, saw, have you listened to the song Exploder about this song? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. He wrote this, he plays like the him singing the melody in like 2008, Walking Down the Street or something. Yeah, and he, so my cool. favorite part of that part, part is where he goes, I had a riff in my head and he was at a party and he had to like step away from the party. Yeah. He was like, excuse me, I have an idea. And he just like recorded it into his phone. Do we know where recordings go if we're saving to the cloud from Zoom? Is it emailed to me? We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta go somewhere, right? <laughs> it's probably accessible on your, uh, yeah, on your iCloud. What's it? I think, yeah, not probably. The other one's Otherwise, the episode is gonna dramatically end. When you start talking time. about your last relationship, <laughs> you're like me and this girl. I'm like, which girl? I'll put you're a like, prologue you know on it. Yeah. Also, put a prologue and say everything comes to an end. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Now that you're back in the city, man, you got to be ready to get back out there. Nah, I'm never getting back out there. It's a white boy summer, according to Tom Hanks's weird never. summer. I've never said that phrase, and I never will say that phrase. You shouldn't. In yeah. fact, edit that part out. Please leave it out. All right, let's hope my, let's hope my computer ran out of memory again at that exact moment when you said that term. I hope you haven't said that around your partner at that term. She would not care. She would probably just roll for her eyes. Punch you in the mouth, break the garbage can again. Correct. By the way, today is our two-year anniversary of our, our becoming boyfriend girlfriend. Although now we are more than them, but uh, so it's one of, it's you now guys started one dating on, this, on Cinco de Mayo. That's right. We started That's cool. dating on Cinco de Mayo of 2019. That's right. That was the day surprising Simon. The reading at the People's Improv Theater. Oh, I was there. That's right. That's the day you guys started dating? Yeah. Man, well, that we've was been like seeing each three, other for a while, but she and I hadn't made anything official. Because I was seeing another girl at that time, and we sat right next to Nora. That's right. And you had no I idea. I had no idea. That was I was a little shy and sheepish about it, though, because at that point, we weren't like dating, dating. But you had told me about her yeah. at that point. That's probably now true. Now look at you. Old Charlie Greenwald. I, I did all right. You did. I was, uh... <laughs> well, here's the issue. I'll show you what's going on on my end right now. So this guitar, I get this. Oh my God. Take it to the shop. 
I don't know how to fix it because I was trying to play Sunflower like, like a, but this is the exact, it's, you play it in the exact area where it's bad. So it's, can you play it on the, on the electric? Yeah, it's not in tune, but I can also play uh, um, like up or down a step. Be, uh, yeah, it's. Ah, I don't know how to do it. I forget. That's I awesome. Oh, that's it. Oh, it's. Hey. Close. I wonder if I could play it on the piano. I don't think I can. It's just a scale. What is it in the key of? Uh, do. Yeah, D sharp minor, maybe? I think it's just a D sharp minor scale. I forget what it is after that. It's pretty good, man. You almost got it. Thanks, but then when I try to play the real, yeah, that sounds. <laughs> I love horrible. the difference. But there's some songs that I'm trying to record that because this has gotten worse recently. Actually, that one's better. But this one I was writing. Actually, that's okay. Oh yeah, there you go. You know, we're all we're all every couch fan, couch queen fan is waiting for the like slow, moody folk acoustic album from Couch. It's what's coming next. I just I was talking to uh, your boy Yumi Romano today. Oh yeah. We're, we're working off a uh, we're working at a drop off for a microphone so I can finally record this thing proper. Oh, that's nice. He's in New but Jersey, I needed, right? But the, I, the the shitty thing is that I need to figure out how where to how to change these songs so I don't have to do this. I was thinking I was just moving down here and then singing a lower voice. Yeah, or take it to the shop and get it fixed. Isn't that an Apparently investment you, you want to make? Yeah. Apparently, you just need to press the frets down. What? I can take it to a shop. All right. I'm um, sorry. I'm getting way distracted about this. Oh, uh, man, it's cool. Sorry. You can go jam out and and do your thing. At some point, Couch Queen and Salty Keys needs to finish the Alone Together cover and release that on stream and release it on streaming services. You and I have this argument all the time. I'm like, let's finish Alone Together. And you're like, no, let's do a new let's song. A new song. <laughs> but writing a new song is so hard. <laughs> yeah, but if we're working together, we'll be able to do it. Yeah, we'll be able to do it. We'll get it done. This summer, we're, we're going to finally get, a, get a, a, a shoegaze single out there from Couch yeah. Queen and Salty Keys. Almost vaccinated, baby. Well, I'm not almost vaccinated. I haven't started yet, but I will be in a month. Almost. I'm also curious to see if Chris would let us use his space. Although, why would we go all the way out there when we could just use your East Williamsburg spot? But he says he has like an awesome space in Hoboken. So, yeah, I haven't been there. I don't even really think he's been there ever. I think he said he's been there like once, right? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds right to me. He's just drowning in schoolwork that's yeah. smart that smart compassionate son of a bitch all right man well listen I'm well, we go gotta some, we said go uh, ice cream oh yeah sounds so much better when they do it and the bassist is playing the same exact thing on the bass By the way, the music video for this song okay. stars Jerry Seinfeld and is directed by Jonah Hill. Really? I don't think I've ever seen it. It's bad, in my opinion. But the song is great. I love the tempo change. Oh, the tempo it's the best like, awesome. thing almost ever best. It doesn't happen enough in 
is a great nonverbal hook. I have to text my brothers about this. <laughs> Packaged in a two and a half minute. It's a beauty. It's per, a true beauty. Yeah, a true beauty. All right, man. Well, listen, Vampire Weekend, great, great band. Had a good time. Let's re, really fun to like listen to that album start to finish. Yeah. It's good vibes, and they are a really unique and interesting band. I don't really listen to that type of music that often, but I really do like them. And uh, we got Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino next week, right? Yeah, next week is Tranquility Base. I got a lot to say about that as well. So. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if an hour and 20 minutes we'll be able to, I'll just distill all my thoughts. If we did AM in an hour, in under an hour 20, we can do tranquility based in under yeah, an hour Yeah, we can. And I'm going to just, I'm just going to keep my thoughts to a very streamlined minimum and we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the album, don't get me wrong, but do I ever listen to it? Not really. The re-listenability to it is just low. <laughs> I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll spin it every once in a while. I will. Well, now man. probably I probably spin it now more often than I'll spin APM. I'm more likely to spin that one than I am. I mean, that's totally fair. A lot of people probably feel that way. I don't think so. <laughs> You're right. No one feels that way. <laughs> no All right, buddy. I'm gonna go have some ice cream, but enjoy your <laughs> night. Keep writing those songs. Send me some demos. I would love to hear them. And uh, I sent we'll you talk- the demos, my man. Do you ever listen to them for the acoustic songs? Uh. Are those the ones on SoundCloud? Oh, you yeah. did send those to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Those are the, oh, those are the demos for the upcoming album. Yeah. Can you send them to me again? Because I think I changed I, the link. So yeah. I yeah, I want to revisit them, but uh, but yeah, they sound good. I think I remember a few of them. Send me the uh, link on the chat. Let me text it to you. I gotta find it again. I think I changed the link. Did you send it to me individually or did you send it to me and Chris? I sent it in the group. I can respond to the um the the this email, this calendar invite for those the podcast. Is that cool? With yeah, the yeah. link? Yeah, right, that's cool. fine. Uh, let's hope I can again. find this cloud recording. I mean, if not, again, it's gonna be the most awkward ending of all time. <laughs> so good stuff. All right, have a good night, Chuck. All right, man. Peace. Peace.